Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Good morning. It's Tuesday, June 9th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Today we have our Big 12 projected order of finish on deck with Brandon Marcella. We're going to get to that in one minute, but before then, got a few items of news to get to. Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney released a 14-minute video Monday evening regarding everything that's been going on around his program, speaking out for the first time about the situation between assistant coach Danny Perriman and former player DJ Greenlee, the situation, of course, that came to light last week and, and for a time was the biggest story in college sports, said Sweeney, I would fire a coach immediately if he called a player an N-word, no questions asked. That did not happen, absolutely did not happen. And additionally, Sweeney denied that he discouraged his players from attending a sit-in in 2016 and addressed the photo that had circulated this weekend in which he was wearing a Football Matters t-shirt, uh, which many considered to be a tone-deaf outfit choice in these times. And Sweeney said he did not mean anything nefarious by that shirt. The entire video is up on Clemson's Football's website. I encourage you to go watch it if you want to get more information on that. Um, one other piece of news, this is the first item of good news we have had in a long time, it feels like, but the NCAA Football Oversight Committee has prepared a, a four-phase plan for the season that includes a six-week period of mandatory workouts with walkthroughs in July and preseason camp beginning on time pretty much in early August. 24-7 Sports' is Brandon Marcello, who we're about to hear from about the Big 12, obtained a copy of the calendar detailing a return to football. And it's, of course, our first real return to football after sports were placed on hold in mid-March, thanks to, or no thanks, to the coronavirus pandemic. Here's how this is all going to look and all going to work. If your team starts its season on Labor Day weekend, which is most of you, then they can begin working out with their players in person as early as July 13th. It's going to be hot, but that's on time. That's, that's exactly... That's well before, a few days before, we said the players needed to be beginning workouts uh, officially with their team uh, to, to have an on-time college football season. So that's that's great news. And if your team plays in week zero, you can practice on July 6th. And then footballs and drills, they've they said, is that going to be okay with the sanitation habits? And obviously just you know following protocol because in the summer, these are all voluntary usually, but players and coaches will be allowed to use footballs in drills as early as July 24th as they run walkthroughs and, and meeting totally totaling 20 hours per week. Preseason practices can begin as soon as August 7th for those teams beginning the season over Labor Day weekend. So of course, the first phase of the plan is already underway. Football players are returning back to campus. They started returning on June 1st for voluntary workouts, and of the 65 schools in the Power Five, 51 as of Monday have started or scheduled their voluntary workouts. Players are getting back to campus. They're getting tested for COVID-19. Now they're about to start, or they've already started, you know, in many senses, their voluntary workouts. And now we have 
a really positive on-time map for actual football regimented work. Let's talk to Brandon Marcello about the Big 12. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Brandon Marcello, it's time to talk the Big 12, only 10 teams actually to sort through. This looks to be an interesting year in the conference, and the way you've got right now, the, the projected order of finish, got some bedlam maybe to side in the Big 12 race in 2020. Tell us all about this. Yeah, I love it. I want to see it, um, but I also think it's going to happen. It's uh, Spencer for hire uh, in OU and the and in Oklahoma OU Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve with Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma and Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's going to have things figured out this season. Their defense is going to improve. It's been improving the last two years. It's going to improve again going into this third year. Um, and Spencer Sanders, I think, is going to be a phenomenal quarterback this year after what he did last season. So, anyway, I've got OU at number one. Uh, until Lincoln Riley does something to prove everybody incorrect about him just, you know, being the best, uh, you know, uh, you got to go with them. Now, this is his first year without a quote-unquote transfer quarterback, someone that he quote-unquote didn't develop. But Spencer Rattler's a five-star guy. Lincoln Riley is yet to, you know, show a misstep in anything in training quarterbacks. So, I don't, but I do expect Oklahoma to not necessarily maybe be a college football playoff team for the first time under Lincoln Riley. Yet that's still going to be enough to win the Big 12. The biggest challenger in my eyes for that Big 12 crown is Oklahoma State, as I mentioned. Uh, I like Spencer Sanders. The defense has been improving, as I said. I think they've got things kind of figured out back on track. You know, these last couple of years under Mike Gundy, not no one's accustomed to that. I think they're going to get back to that that plateau of potentially winning 10 games or more this season. And uh, that's why I've got them ahead of Texas right now. I've got them ahead of Texas in my top 25 entering the year. But the gap between Oklahoma State and Texas is smaller than the gap between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in my mind. And I think Oklahoma is obviously the team to beat there. But the, the gap is pretty close between State and Texas. Texas, I, I, I'm just – I don't like what I saw last season. I, I think that – how do I put this? I, I, we'll see. What I, are you I trying think, to say? I, I don't want to say – Texas isn't back. It, Texas is not back. <laughs> it, it, I, I think they're going to – maybe next year, Texas fans. If, but I think that they're going to be third this year. I do. If if Texas doesn't show serious signs of life this year, and I, I don't want to I don't want to derail the podcast, but uh, the, Texas better be back this year with eight to nine starters coming back on both sides of the ball and a senior quarterback. So I don't we'll see it. But if it if it's <laughs> if Texas if Tom Herman's at some point in the season saying wait till next year, guys, I think there might be a new coach in twenty twenty one. Period. We'll talk about that. Who's you got? Who you got at number four? Uh, I got Iowa State at four, popular pick, a lot of returning starters. 
Matt Campbell, man, um, the coach, love him. I think he's going to be not only a right, he's not only a rising star right now, but I, if he stays in the Big 12 and if he could somehow overcome Texas, which I think is kind of in that spot of trying to be in the upper echelon of the Big 12 right now, um, watch out. Below them, I've got TCU. I think TCU is going to show some improvement, but how do I put this? I think Gary Patterson's kind of lost it a little bit. Um, I think he's lost his edge a little bit. That's just me. Maybe he gets it back by having Jerry Kill on staff, his friend and colleague, to kind of you know push him up. But Gary Patterson the last couple of years has been like, hey, I want to bring my the people I want to work with, my friends on staff. And if you do that, not to say he's got yes men around him, but if you do that, you get a little comfortable. And Gary Patterson doesn't strike me as the type of guy who wants to be comfortable but maybe he's nearing the end of his career here and he just kind of wants to make things a little bit easier on himself, even if it's not necessarily consciously and he's doing it subconsciously. So I got TCU at five. Baylor, I think, is not going to drop off as big as everybody's thinking. I know a lot of people got Baylor finishing near the bottom of the conference. I got them just below uh, TCU at number six right now. Obviously a lot to replace, especially a quarterback, defensive line. I think they they still have enough, though, to finish at number six because here's the other thing. I'm not impressed with these teams from seven to ten outside of maybe Kansas State. I think Kansas State's going to be good-ish, challenge for a bowl. But beyond that, Kansas, West Virginia, and then I have Texas Tech at ten, which I know will probably upset some folks. But um, Kansas – I think, and you you mentioned this before, the, before we started the podcast, and I'll let you have the glory here for, for finding this out, but Kansas has just been so bad for so long. But what we saw last year when Brent Deerman took over that offense was just absolutely phenomenal. And one of the stories in college football that probably didn't get as much notice as it should have, considering what they were doing offensively and the teams they pushed to the brink, including Texas last season. So I think they'll continue that role on offense, Kansas will, and I think they'll finish eighth and challenge for potentially maybe getting to a bowl game. West Virginia, still a rebuilding project, and then Tech, as I mentioned, at number 10. An eighth-place finish for Kansas would be their highest finish in the Big 12 since 2008, and that was several (laughs) rounds of realignment ago. That's back when they had the Northern Division. The Southern Division, that's back when Missouri was in the conference, when A&M was in the conference. So – when you sent me your list, I, I saw Kansas at eight. I was like, you're crazy. But I kind of looked into it. They did beat Texas Tech last year. I, of course, remember they almost beat Texas. I like their offensive coordinator just like you do. I like Les Miles. I like Puka Williams. They have some good receivers and some good talent coming back on the defensive side of the ball. So I certainly, I guess that, that makes sense. It makes sense. Um, the top of the conference is really interesting. You talked about, Oklahoma and I'm in the I'm on on the same page as you, Brandon. It's we keep saying, all right, well, Lincoln Riley. Eventually, this is going to slow down. I guess we'll believe it when we see it. Hasn't slowed down yet. No reason to not pick Oklahoma. Oklahoma State. People are falling in love with Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. I like that too. And then Texas. You know, we talked about it then. And Texas and Oklahoma State are actually going to play at the end of the season in Stillwater. So. There's the Big 12 does a great job of setting up its sort of best games for last, if you will, with the exception of Texas and OU and Dallas every October. And there's there's no reason to believe that this is not going to be a really spirited and a really intense 
conference race. If you're looking outside the top three or four, do you, I mean, do you see anyone potentially winning this league outside of those, those top three or top four? Like, do you think TCU could have the juice to do it, to, to pull a Baylor uh, from a 2019 where they make this crazy run and, and almost win the whole thing? I think TCU could, but I, like I said, I've got questions about Gary Patterson as the head coach right now. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't going to like hearing that, but I just wonder if he's like getting into the twilight of his career here. Maybe he's getting a little bit too comfortable, even though he's maybe not trying to do that. It's just subconsciously happening. Um, you know, last year they played some close games, as we all know, but I mean – they just weren't impressive. I mean, TCU, they, they need overtime to beat Cal 10 to seven and a bore fest. Um, they did beat Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state of course was, you know, struggling a little bit, but I listen, I, I think that I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong schedule here, but look at this year's You're thinking schedule. Of the cheese it bowl. I am thinking the cheese it bowl two years ago. I, th- I think TCU is this up and down team, this roller coaster team. They could beat you. They could, they could lose to you. I think, I don't know. I have a hard time this year. Usually we talk about the Big 12 and we say, hey, number 10 will be bad. And usually number 10 is Kansas. But one through eight, anyone can beat anyone. And this year when I look at this projected, when I look at your rankings, to me I think, nah, one to four, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State, these are the teams that are going to really dominate the conference this year. I like the idea of Baylor. I don't know what their identity under Dave Aranda is going to look like in year one. Does he – Brandon, do you think he's going to change things up from the great vibe that Matt Rule had going? Is he going to no. try to be his own guy? No, not I, I think too much. I think it's. I think there's going to be a meeting of uh, between the two, and I say that because I, I spoke to Dave Aranda, and he said he's not necessarily leaning on Matt Rule, but he has talked to Matt Rule about kind of the culture he built there and how he did it and how to continue that. So I don't think Dave Aranda is going to go in there and just shake things up and be like, "Hey, this is how we're going to do things from day one." Because he wants, obviously, he wants to be successful immediately. But I think he's going to kind of stick to some of the things that made Baylor successful in the Matt Rule era. Um, you know, as far as TCU, what helps them out and potentially could get them in that top four is that their toughest games are at home. They get OU, they get Iowa State. Um, the only thing I see in there is they have to go to Texas, but they also host Oklahoma State. So the toughest game on that slate is a road trip to Texas on November 14th. So potentially TCU can get in that top four. I, I'm just not – like I said, I just got some questions um, about the coaching right now. But um, having said that, you, you mentioned Baylor. That's why I've got them at six. I think that the drop-off is not going to be as great as people think. And that's just from um, you know talking to some people uh, in, in the area there. But, you know, uh, Gary Patterson – you know, it worries me a little bit that yeah. that he keeps bringing on these these coaches and support staffers and people he's comfortable with. And usually, you know, in schools I've covered, you start doing that, you know, when you're five plus years into your career or 10 plus years into your career now uh, at a school, it usually means the writing's kind of on the wall, even though you might not see it, you're writing it on the wall yourself. and. I just I don't I'm not so certain Gary Patterson's going to get TCU back to contending for the Big 12 title, especially this year. Last question for you: Any conversation about the Big 12 in the preseason 
you circle, you circle a big game on your calendar and it's, it's Texas OU and Dallas at a neutral side game. I'm wondering what you're hearing or what you're thinking in light of the coronavirus pandemic, what the future is this fall for neutral site games, because that would be, that's outside of maybe Georgia and Florida. And if we're just taking Trey Scott's opinion, it's, it's Texas OU as far as the best neutral site games and apologies for the third person referencing, but um, what's, what, 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 what do you expect happening there, Brandon, as far as, can't imagine that place being fully at full capacity because it's a zoo and then do texas and ou come to a situation where they like have to play in norman or austin i would think that they would probably still play it in dallas but i don't know if they i i don't think they would obviously i don't even know if they would allow any fans in there to be quite honest let alone doing 25 percent capacity because as you mentioned the fair and all that stuff how do you do that I mean, I, I've been there. I've been there before, and there's there's no way to avoid someone. There's no way to be six feet away from someone at all times. There's absolutely no way. So you're exactly right. What do they do there? I don't think any of them would be happy with going to the other, you know, team's uh, home stadium. I think they would just have to play in Dallas still or Arlington and have no one in the stands make it like an actual true neutral site game and, and keep the fans at home. I know that might upset some people, but we also have a a, a little bit of time here to kind of figure that out because I I've said this before. I think week to week, things are going to change in college football as far as scheduling potentially. Um, And when we hit October before the red river shootout, um, they, they may, they, they may decide, Hey, we're going to play this, after our regular season games end, to be quite honest, maybe if there's maybe maybe they push back, you know, championship games across the country, or they try to condense the schedule. If they condense the schedule, does that mean OU and Texas knock off one of their non-conference games, or for that matter, one of their other Big Twelve games, so they could just play the Red River Shootout, keep up that rivalry? There's so many contingencies and and ideas floating out there. But anyway, back to your point. I, I just don't see how they conduct, as of today, when I'm speaking, a, a Red River shootout with all those people going around and trying to buy, you know, funnel cakes and everything. Oh I just, I just don't, I don't see how you can do it. So I would think they would, if any, I don't, I don't think you can even do limited capacity. I think you just have to shut it down completely and just have them play in an empty stadium. I think you're right about limited capacity. All right. I don't think they could do it either. Brandon, it's, you get, if you've been there and you know that people listening might say, why are you guys spending so much time about this game being such a problem? Because you can pay to get into the fair on that day. And then look, I mean, I I know people in college who did this. You slip a 20 to the, to the attendance outside of the cotton bowl, which is literally (laughs) inside the fairground. You are into the, you're into the stadium and that place seats 92,000. There's probably 90, 100 in it. I can't tell you how you go to that game. You're not going to find your seat. Your seat's gone. Everyone's just smushed together. Social distancing yeah. won't exist. And it could be a really compelling storyline as far as how to, you know, the big 12 race and all that. Cause I'll tell you what, you're right. No one's going to be happy if they have to go to Norman or Austin. On, on well, maybe it's a situation. Cause obviously a lot of these decisions, especially neutral site games, they're going to lean more on local health officials than anything. And, Dallas had been, and it might still be. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers. Dallas, I mean, we're still months away, but Dallas had been a hot spot 
And that being the home of the Big 12 and talking to Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner, he's like, listen, things are, might be different here in Dallas and for teams like, you know, TCU here on the outskirts than they are, you know, in Norman or, or in Austin for that matter. Now, maybe it's one of those situations where you close the fair down. I don't see how they do the fair anyway, but if you close the fair down, maybe you could still just have people come that obviously won't be hanging around the stadium as much and um, be able to have a 25% capacity, especially in a stadium that big. But I, even then, when you're talking about sp- a, you know, a 50-50 split between fan bases and allowing them in, and then they, but they have, both have to travel yeah. during a pandemic, that's a whole other issue. This isn't like Texas you know, going to OU and Texas not allowed to have really any fans there, and it's just all OU fans, and it's twenty five percent of the stadium. You're talking about, you know, twenty five percent of the stadium, but twelve point five percent of or fifty percent of that twenty five percent is Texas, and the other fifty percent is OU, and they're both traveling as fan bases. That's a difficult sell to me, and that's why I think neutral site games obviously are going to be handled a lot differently than you see all these home and home games. A lot of questions in the Big 12. You know, who finishes 10th? What does the marquee game look like? Who's the better? Spencer, can Gary Patterson get his edge back? Thank you, Brandon Marcello. Hey, marquee game, by the way, I think it's going to be Oklahoma-Iowa State. Ooh, is that in uh, – that's going to be in Ames this year. It's yep. in Ames. Is it in November? Do you have the schedule up? It is November – or excuse me, it's October 17th. Okay, so not too cold because you, you get to November in Ames and that's – that's a five degree proposition. So, but it's near Red River Shootout Ooh. for OU, and they have to go to Iowa State. So, I think it's going to be that's one, the one to watch this year. One to watch. All right. Thank you, Brandon. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. Coming up tomorrow, we have the Big Ten projected order of finish. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Brandon Marcello, for producer Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott, and we will see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.